This afternoon we'll deal with Lord's Day 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 33, you find that on page 546 of the Book of Praise. Lord's Day 33, we confess the following from the Word of God. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and not those based on our own opinion or on the precepts, on precepts of men. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, including the boys and girls here, because also your brothers and sisters in the Lord too. Sometimes, you know, you can have a relaxing bath or when you're wearing a whole, you buy a whole new outfit and you put it on and then you look at yourself and you say, I feel like a whole new person. I feel like a new person. Of course, underneath, you're still the same person. You washed your body or you dressed it differently, but when it comes down to it, it's an exaggeration to say you're a new person. You're not a new person only because of a bath or some fancy clothes or, or so. But this afternoon we talk about truly becoming a new person. And then we're not overstating things. This is not an exaggeration. No, we're talking about spiritual repentance or conversion. A new person inside that comes to light on the outside. And you realize we're talking about real radical change then, a renewal that begins deep inside and affects everything we do too. With Lord's Day 33 about repentance, we can say without exaggeration then, I'm a new person. And that's the theme for the sermon this afternoon, a new person. And we see first what that means and secondly how that happens. A new person congregation. You don't become a new person just like that. Lord's Day 33 speaks about dying and coming to life. Dying and being raised up. 
Those are very deep things. Actually, it's, it's about two me's in each one of us. Two me's in yourself. An old me and a new me. New man and old man, it says in various places in the Bible. And that might sound a bit abstract, but in fact, that's how it is with each one of us as believers. There's something in each one of us that has to be broken, put to death, and there's something in each one of us that has to be raised to life. Do you notice, do you notice, brothers and sisters, that there, there are those two me's in yourself? and that they're in conflict with one another. You have that old me already from birth. That's how we start out as descendants of Adam. And the old me only wants to go against God. Our, our old person, our old nature, continually wants to pull away from God. And we'll never get close to God with that nature. In order to come to God, you have to have a relationship with him. You have to come close to him, and, and then so you need to become a whole new person to come to God. It's about old and new nature. We all usually talk about old first and then becoming new. However, the new has to come first in order to see what the old one is and to put it to death. It's like when you get a new pair of glasses. You know, you had the old pair for a number of years already. But now that you put on the new pair with the improved lenses, you see how poor those old ones were, those old lenses. You couldn't see properly with them. Now you can see everything sharply again. You see that now, after you put the new ones on. You never realized that you couldn't see those things that you now can see. And you even see pictures of yourself with the, with the old glasses on and you, you smile because you look funny and with the old ones on. Well, it's, it's something like that with repentance, with conversion to God. That's when you see sharp, sharply, when you see things sharply. And then you see how odd you were before. Away with that old life of before. You hear the Apostle Paul talking like that in Philippians 3. He lists all the things he was so proud of before. He was an exemplary Jew, a pious, zealous Pharisee. But when he learned to know Christ, when he put Christ on as a pair of glasses, then he realized how useless that old life really was. He says in Philippians 3, 7, but what things were gained to me then, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That I may gain Christ See, when he, when he came to know Christ, he saw that all the stuff he had been so proud of before was actually useless and worthless rubbish. 
And that's something we have to come to every time again too. The wrong, the sin that we put in so much stock in before, those things that we, we took a lot of pleasure in before, they have to become worthless to us because we seek Christ. Away with that old me, which was so stuck on that worthless junk. Even more, let's bury that old me. Put it to death and bury it. And that's not easy to put that old me to death because it's part of you. You're not going to throw that old me aside just like that, like a pair of old glasses. But the, that old me has to be put aside. Because that old me and your new me are enemies. And if you want to hang on to that old me, then you can't have the new me. They can't exist side by side. Where the one is, the other one can't stay. Don't think you can nicely go on with your old life and at the same time receive a new me from the risen Lord Jesus. That old me has to go and then long live the new me. Yes, congregation, is not an easy thing, repentance. And it's, it's a very difficult thing. Very difficult thing, in fact. You see that in those words, dying and coming to life. It isn't a nice, slow glide from the one to the other. It's a struggle. And that old me really has to be pummeled and put to death. And that new me really has to take its place and take us over. Notice how we confess that, Lord's Day 33, that dying and coming to life involve real emotion. Emotion. On the one hand, heartfelt sorrow, and on the other hand, heartfelt joy. Heartfelt. Sorrow and joy are the two basic emotions of all people, and here they stand over against one another, both directed to God. That's important to think about. When your old me dies, then you grieve with heartfelt sorrow that you have offended God with your sins. That's a very unique kind of sorrow then. There's, there's other kinds of sorrow. You can be sorrowful that you have such a difficult things to deal with in your life. You can be sorrowful because you're disappointed in yourself that you didn't achieve what you thought you could or sorrowful because you've wrecked something that you can't fix anymore, deep regret because of past sins. But in all those kinds of sorrow, it's still about you, about yourself, your hurt, your pain, the consequences for yourself. But Lord, the sorrow Lord's Day 33 talks about from Scripture, that's not about yourself. It's about God. You're sorrowful because you offended Him who has been so good and gracious. It's sorrow because you've sinned against Him. 
And that means then, then you take full responsibility for your sin. You own it completely. If it's sorrow before God. And when you do that, then you wonder, how could I ever have done that to my gracious and loving God and Father? How could I have stepped on his heart like I did? How can I be the kind of person I am now? Lacking in love and thankfulness. We read from Joel 2. And there the Lord uh, calls his people to repentance. And it's, he said, it's not hard to rend your clothes. You know, that's what they did to show sorrow. They tore their clothes in, in the Old Testament times to show sorrow. It's not hard to show sorrow outwardly. The heart needs to be rent says God, because of what you've done. Your heart has to be rent. Only then do you really return to God. And only then will be God be compassionate and return to you. How often didn't God have to remind Israel that all their sacrifices and prayers were nothing if the hearts of the people were not in it? You don't need to come to God with outward show of repentance and many words. God wants your heart. There needs to be heartfelt sorrow in that heart because of sin. And it's not always easy to feel heartfelt sorrow because of sin, because of our sin, is it? Not always easy to feel that. We get so used to thinking, oh, well, God is gracious. He'll forgive me this too. After all, Jesus died for me, right? And then we forget how awful it is for God that we sin against him, how he has indignation every day about it. And then we don't take our sin seriously. And that's so easy that we, we fall into that trap. We don't take it seriously as offense to God. But congregation, if we need to see how we have offended God by our sin, well, we, we just remembered Good Friday, and we need to look at that cross with God's perfect Son nailed to that cross, groaning, crying out in God-forsakenness and dying because of my sins and your sins. Hellish agony. We can't even begin to fathom that totally. But we do get some idea how offended and angry God is because of our sins if we pay attention to that cross. And if you think on that, then that heartfelt sorrow will come. Look to Christ and that heartfelt sorrow will be there. Then you realize that your old me needs to die with him on the cross. And then you'll own your sin and you'll rend your heart. And then besides real sorrow because of sin, you'll also come to heartfelt joy. And again, that, that joy is a special kind of joy. It's not being joyful because the world is around you is so wonderful and everything is going so well in life and all things are coming together so nicely for you. No, this joy 
is heartfelt joy in God through Christ. It's not joy because you're doing so well. It's joy in God through Christ. That's the kind of joy the apostle writes about in Philippians 4 when he talks about rejoicing in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. When you know Christ, when you have that relationship with him, you're joined to him, then you have something very special in your life. Then you have a joy in your life that nothing can destroy. And that doesn't mean that you'll always be in a happy, clappy mood. No, the apostle Paul, he knew what hunger and want was, and he had been beaten and imprisoned. He wasn't, he wasn't always that happy on the outside about his condition. But through everything, he writes that later on in, in chapter 4, he was contented. He held fast to his joy in the Lord. Joy in the Lord is something that can bring you to sing his praise. But it can also be a joy that's hidden deep in your heart while your eyes are full of tears yet. And that heartfelt joy, therefore, doesn't stand in contrast to that heartfelt sorrow as such. It's, 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 it isn't so that at one time you're full of joy while the next time you're full of sorrow. No, it's both together in repentance. Joy and sorrow together. They both form a repentant attitude. Sorrow. How you offended God. Joy in God through Christ. And if they are there together, then you become a new person. You grieve in your heart that you have offended God by your sins and at the same time you rejoice in seeing your Savior's work for you again. And you praise God for that. We come to our second point, how this all happens. A different person, a new person. The power to become a new person is a divine power. Think of what the Apostle Paul says, Philippians 3, 10, and 11, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Being conformed to Christ's death means to die to sin, hate it, put it away, flee from it. Putting that away can be painful, can be painful, putting your sin away. That can be a, a process that is very, very hurtful to yourself. It means suffering. Jesus referred to that when he says carrying, a, when he, he referred to carrying a cross after him. But it also means at the same time experiencing something of the power of Christ's resurrection. Being raised by his power to bright new life. And you realize that that dying of the old me is a putting to death with Christ 
and the coming to life of the new me is being raised by the power of him who overcame death, as we remember today, that it's all about Christ. The strength comes from him. Christ, as it were, drags our old me into death with him, and he raises up the new me by the power of his resurrection, renewed in his image. Again, you can only die and be raised like that if you have that living relationship with Christ. If you're joined to him, you embrace him in faith. You could never kill your old nature off by yourself. People have come up with a lot of ways to try to overcome sin and weaknesses. Nowadays, they try to do that without thinking about God or soul. Trying, for instance, to rise above the physical desires by cutting yourself off from the world, too, though that has happened in the past. Think of the monks who retreated to monasteries in lonely places and who focused on prayer and self-abasement. Think of the sects like the Amish who tried to retreat from the styles, the fashion, and the technology of the world around them. All those attempts to overpower that old nature, that old man, are going to fail in the end. They'll end up just being outward thing, outward show. In fact, those, those attempts to abase oneself like that only lead, in actual fact, to exalting the self. Taking pride in your humility. If you try to control the old me yourself, it's going to end up actually controlling you without you realizing it, that old me. That's how subtle sin is. And if it's impossible to overcome the old me yourself, then you realize it's going to be even more impossible to bring the new me to life, right? We receive that old me from birth, and that new me can only be given by God in Christ. It requires rebirth, being born anew from above. The Bible even talks about, about it in terms of a new creation, a new creation, a resurrection from the dead. The Holy Spirit has to work something totally new in you, something you could never do by yourself. It's something that can maybe be imitated for a while, Someone acts as if he or she hates sin and loves the Lord. That's a show of a new me that's only going to last for a while because the old me will eventually stick up his head again. No true repentance is a matter of dying and being raised again. Radically. It's going, it's going the way of Jesus Christ who was crucified and who rose again. Your old me crucified, dead, and buried with him. And then your new me raised with him to walk in newness of life. But you need him. You need him to be joined to him with heart and soul. Believe that his death then is your death and his resurrection is your resurrection. 
then you can become a new person. And congregation, not just once, every time again you realize this happens more than once. There are Christians today who talk about repentance or conversion as if it's a, basically a one-time occasion by which you're completely changed into a new person all at once and you should be able to tell the, the day and the, and the time even. And then you're, from then on, you're completely different from what you were before. Sometimes they glory in that. You should see what I was before. And then a conversion experience like that can sound attractive, especially if you have a big struggle with that old me and yourself. And you get tired of that struggle. Be nice if that old me wouldn't show itself anymore or as much as it does anymore. But that putting to death of the old me and coming to life of the new me, that is a lifelong process, brothers and sisters. That old me doesn't die off all at once just like that. Because just when you figure your old me has died off here, it's going to pop its head up again over there in that part of your life, different part of your life. That's a constant battle going on between those two me's. And it's a lifelong thing. And the Apostle Paul, he knew about that struggle. In a number of places in his letters, he writes about that battle between spirit and flesh, his old and his new me. He also refers to that in Philippians 3, 12 to 16. He, he had written about the power of Christ's resurrection, and that gave him hope in his own resurrection too. And then he continues, verses 12 to 14, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but... I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. See, repentance is like straining forward in a race. Straining forward in a race of yourself, you were on the wrong path. The Lord in his grace put you on the right way. But that doesn't mean you're at the destination right away. You have a whole course to run yet. And then there's always the danger you can stumble or you can step off the good way. But you strain to get ahead you make, to make progress toward the perfection Christ has redeemed you for. And that's a lifelong process. And maybe you think, that's a pretty tiring process. Pretty tiring and stressful to try to make progress like that in your life. That constant battle inside you can seem like an endless battle for life for Christians, can it? And then it looks a lot easier to be non-Christian, not have this battle at all. Congregation, don't be deceived. They have other battles. And look at the comfort that the apostle expresses in that passage in Philippians. He strains ahead in that race, but he already knows the victory is sure. I'm going to cross the finish line. He already knows that, for Christ has already obtained that victory by his resurrection, that victory for him. And Christ has laid hold of him, he says, says Paul. Grabbed him by the collar, we could say. 
and he never lets him go. He draws him to that finish too. Because of Christ's resurrection, believers may know that they're going to make it to the finish line. Even though the way is long and difficult, because our Savior Jesus Christ has already crossed that finish line and he draws us there too. So yes, repentance is a lifelong struggle, but it's one in which the victory is sure. And without that struggle, there is no victory at all. Because he who overcame death once and for all on Easter Sunday is the one and only one who can who sh make sure that we'll make it to the end. And congregation, that new me, that new me then is going to be noticeable in your life. In Lord's Day 33, we speak of good works. Repentance is not only that you get rid of sins. It isn't only feeling joy in God through Christ, but it also becomes a love and a delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. Now, it might grate on some of you when we speak of doing good works. There's a perception that now you have to accomplish all kinds of things, do all kinds of special things. And with good works, you also sometimes get the idea that you, 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 people take pride in their good accomplishments. And it's true, there's, there is that risk, probably because of that old me in us yet. That, that old me even wants to turn the good you do into something which isn't so good for you. But notice how Lord's Day 33 speaks about the source of good works in answer 90. They come from heartfelt joy in God through Christ. That heartfelt joy in God through Christ becomes a joy and a delight to do good works. A joy and a delight. So there's no forcing in that. You obey God's will in all good works because you're drawn to do that. You want to glorify God for what he did for you in Christ. And add to that then what it says in answer 91, good works are only those done out of true faith. So they're, they're not even our achievements. But they come out of faith. God-given faith. And that means they come out of expecting everything from Christ. Seeking the strength of his spirit. Faith like that which looks to Christ for everything will be faith that wants to produce good works too. Wants to desires to good works we're always working at something aren't we every everybody does works and if they're not good works they're going to be bad works so the question is are the works we do good or bad works and congregation, if the old me notices that the new me is not busy with doing good works, then the old me is going to come into action right away, inducing you to do bad works. So if the resurrection of Christ is at work in your life, raising up the new me and you, then that's going to show in your life, in what you do and what you don't do. 
And, and the goal of it all is, Paul writes, Philippians 3, that we may be on the way to perfection, to maturity in Christ. And he describes what that means in chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Be busy with those things. In other words, focus on what is truly good and do it. A new person, a new person. That's not pie in the sky. No, that's something that'll be seen and heard in you. The new me will love and delight in God's law as Christ loved and delighted in God's law. The new me will want to hear the explanation of God's law and the catechism over the next number of weeks. Will desire to experience in that the resurrection power of Christ in coming to good works. Amen.